0: Hey there, thanks for listening. This is Reframe Your Life, and I'm your host, Sandy Reynolds. On each episode, I'll explore topics and interview guests to help you live a soul-centered life. Let's get right into this week's episode. Thank you for joining me. This is episode 99 and I have a special guest for my 100th episode so be sure to listen next week or actually in two weeks when that episode is posted. It'll be available where you listen to podcasts and on my website sandyreynolds.com. Last week I talked to you about choosing love instead of fear when you're making decisions. And I've been thinking a lot about that and how difficult that is. And this week's episode, I wanna take that a little bit further. I've called this episode, The Heart Wants What the Heart Wants. Recently, I was talking to a friend about a big decision someone I know is making. And no one feels good about the decision. Would it help if I talked to her, my friend asked me. My friend had made a similar decision and regretted it and had to live with the painful consequences of it. I just looked at her and I said, did it help you when people talked to you and shared their fears and reservations about the choice you were making? She realized it hadn't. And we both wondered why that is. Why do women, especially women, so often make choices based on what they want and discard the wisdom of the people around them and even their own wisdom. I was thinking about this in terms of choosing love and fear and yes I would love to see all of us living from a place of love instead of making fear-based decisions. I think one of the challenges with that is we don't know how to listen to love. We don't know listening how to listen to our own interior voice and what's most important to us. That quote, the heart wants what it wants, was spoken by Emily Dickinson. It's very difficult to change someone's mind once they've decided on a certain path. Way back in the 1980s, I ran a cult information service with some other people in Toronto We did interventions on behalf of families who were desperate to see their child or loved one rescued from their involvement with cults or groups that were isolating them and taking over their lives. We would be asked if we could sit down and talk some sense into them. Of course, it never worked. Still out of compassion and to offer some small hope to the family, we would try. And I think we believe that if enough people express concern that maybe, just maybe, the person would realize that they were not making a good choice getting involved with a group and leave it. I read an article in this month's Chatelaine magazine. So I live in Canada and Chatelaine magazine is a woman's magazine here, a very popular national magazine. And it was on the cult, Nixavim. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Let me spell it for you. You may be familiar with it. It's been in the news. It is N-X-I-V-M. And I'll link to that article in the show notes. And I read the article and I saw the same pattern laid out that I've seen in almost every spiritual memoir that I've read of a person who has left a religious organization or cult after being involved in a toxic and or abusive situation and the pattern looks something like this an individual in a vulnerable crisis situation it could be a life transition it could be a breakup a move stage of life divorce it could be anything but they feel vulnerable. Often young adults, so people who are finished high school are very much at risk for these kinds of groups because they're, they've left the nest and they're drifting a little bit and trying to find their spot in the adult world. And what often happens is they meet a person who seems to have the answers to the pain in their life. And this person is probably young, attractive, has something going for them that the person who is feeling vulnerable feels is lacking in their own life. And initially, that person or group provides some relief from the pain. They find community, they find belonging, they find relief. And they believe or are taught to ignore the red flags that they have when the group starts to ask more and more of them. So sometimes that looks like isolating them from friends. Sometimes it involves leaving their community, quitting their job, giving all their resources, giving all of their time to the group or individual. And they just ignore their red flags and their doubts. And often the group will even point to those doubts as part of what they need to overcome and part of how they can show their commitment to the group. And because all of the people in the group have made similar choices, the individual feels even more vulnerable and questions their own thinking in the situation. They are also isolated from people who have different beliefs and they become aligned with the cult and or individual and become very defensive and protective of any criticism of it now this can happen in extreme situations like this cult article that I will put in the show notes for you it can happen as well in relationships a lot of women get involved with very possessive men and get very involved in relationships where their friends and their family are telling them this is not a good idea, but they ignore the advice because they want to show their love to this person and they feel that they can't, for whatever reason, turn their back on the individual that they're involved with. Jana Lalek, an American scholar, has spent 35 years researching cults and extremist groups, and she says in the Chatelaine article, the idea that a person can be too smart for a cult's pitch is a persistent and inaccurate myth. In fact, says Lalek, it's often the opposite. Intelligent people tend to share characteristics like curiosity, and idealism that can make them more susceptible you know this is really frightening stuff and you've probably wondered about smart women you know who make really poor relationship decisions or decisions to join groups or get involved with people that are very have are very detrimental to their well-being and i think we see a similar pattern that happens in our lives when we're making decisions It can be fairly benign, say retail therapy, you go to the mall or you go onto Amazon, you're feeling lonely or sad or frustrated or just bored, and you have a look around and you see a book or a top or a pair of shoes or a new purse that feels like a solution. It feels like it's going to make you feel better and you purchase it, and maybe it's not in your budget, so you put it on your credit card, and then you feel kind of crappy about it, maybe you return it, but you've established this pattern of looking outside yourself to deal with your emotions, and eventually you need more, you need a regular trip to the mall, you find yourself with that Purchase one-click option on Amazon. And by the way, if you have that set up, turn it off right now if you're impulsive at all. Or maybe you start dating someone. No one in your circle of friends is enthusiastic about the relationship, but the person fills a need in your life and you feel vulnerable. Before you know it, you're isolating yourself from people who don't approve of the relationship. Or you're just isolating yourself from everyone and you're just putting time into that relationship because you know in your heart it's not a good thing and you don't want to hear from anyone their comments or their input or their perspective on your relationship. And so you find yourself in an unhealthy place. We want what we want, but can we change that? Can we change our thinking? Can we make better choices? Here are some questions that I think you need to think about. And I think you, if you're making decisions and you know they're not the best decisions, I really want you to spend some time with these questions. I'll put them in a download so you can journal through them. But take a little bit of time and really think about your answers in these questions in in relationship to the person you're involved with or the course of action you're undertaking. So the first question is, are you honestly open and willing to consider or explore any red flags in this situation? If not, why not? So I want you to just Think about that purchase you're making, that decision, that relationship you're getting involved in, that church group you go to, that other group that you're involved in where you don't feel like things are quite as above board, where you know or you feel that there's some kind of disconnect between you and what's happening there and I want you to ask yourself are you willing to explore any red flags in this situation and what I mean is are you willing to walk away from the situation if after you really think it through you realize that it's not the best thing for you and if you're not willing to walk away from something and to really explore the red flags. I think you need to ask yourself why. The second question is, what is the red flag? So try and move beyond, I have a gut feeling, although you might, to a specific situation where you felt uncomfortable. So what was the situation and why were you feeling uncomfortable? So I'm a very intuitive person, and I find myself often having these gut feelings. And then I have to really drill down. I have to stop and say to myself, why do I not feel comfortable in this situation? What is the actual red flag? And when I do that, I usually do find that there's something there. An example of this in my own life was I had a working relationship with someone and whenever we got together, and I work as a consultant, so a lot of my meetings, I'm not actually being paid for them. They're just time that I'm spending with potential clients. And so this was the case. I was meeting with this woman and I had met with her for about six months and it was taking a lot of time. And I was ignoring my gut feelings right from the beginning. I knew that there was something wrong and that she was acting like a victim. And she never got things done. She never came to meetings prepared. She never came to meetings on time. She never came to meetings with the things that she said that she was going to bring. And eventually, I had to face the fact that I had been ignoring my red flags in the situation. And when I finally confronted her and said, I don't think I can work with you, and I explained to her why, she was really surprised, very defensive, and felt like I was overreacting. And I know that I just became another person in her story who was not treating her well but I was so relieved to get out of that relationship and when I look at her now a few years later I see she's just continuing the same pattern with other consultants so a big lesson for me there I wanted it to work out I really admired this woman she was intelligent creative fun to be with and yet It did not work for us at all and so I learned in that situation to trust my intuition and not to ignore those red flags and to label them and to actually associate with them with behavior like blaming someone else, not taking responsibility. There were actual behaviors, it wasn't just a gut feeling. The third thing I want you to ask yourself is Are you dismissing or diminishing any aspect of the situation so that you can continue down this path? So, you want something, you want it bad, and you know or you potentially know that it's not the best idea. Are you dismissing some of the costs of the situation? Are you ignoring things? so that you can continue down this path. And you might even say this out loud to yourself, I know this is not a good idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. I mean, who doesn't say that when they have a chocolate bar in front of them? Come on, of course you do. But you also probably do this in other areas in your life with greater consequences. The fourth question is, can you give yourself some time to step back and evaluate the situation or are you being pressured in some way to move forward? So this is really important. Always ask for time if you need it. There's very few decisions that need to be made immediately. So take some time, think through the decision and then make your choice. But if someone is telling you, act now, then you need to really step back and say, I can't. I need some time. I need some time to talk this through with the people that know me well. I need to think about this before I commit. And then finally, the next question is, do you feel that you have the freedom to walk away or are you afraid of disappointment or anger from someone if you choose to walk away. A lot of us struggle with people-pleasing, and if you're a people-pleaser, there's probably something in your background that taught you when you disappointed people that you would get a negative response from them. And so you go along with things because you don't want to deal with conflict, you don't want to deal with anger, you don't want to deal with disappointment. And if that's the person that you are, and I understand that totally, then you need to really give yourself some time and have a process to help you make better decisions. So with that, I want to say there's two very healthy practices that I want to suggest to you that will help you develop in this area and I hope from the bottom of my heart that all of us can get better at making decisions and that we can begin to live what I call soul-centered lives, that we can begin to make decisions that bring us consolation, that bring us peace and freedom and joy and alignment in our soul. So two ways you can do that. The first one is have a decision-making criteria. Now, this is something I've spent some time on this year in my own life. I'm self-employed, so I tend to respond a lot to invitations to be with people. I love my community of friends, and I like being with people. And I can often just go through a week without getting my work done which is why I'm recording this podcast on a Sunday afternoon, by the way. And I made a decision using my criteria this week to spend time with someone who needed me to spend time with them, knowing that I would have to do what I'm doing on Sunday afternoon to meet my goals and objectives for the week. So I have a piece of paper that I carry with me that has my decision-making criteria on it. And included in it are the names of two people that I will discuss a decision with before I move forward if I have any doubt at all about the decision. And those two people are people who ask me hard questions. And I think that we all need to have those people in our lives. So take some time, develop some decision-making criteria Some of the things that I include is how much time is it going to take? How much is it going to cost me? If I take this on or if I do this, what will I not be able to do? You can develop your own criteria based on the place where you think you need to have a decision-making criteria, but please have trusted people in your life that you ask their opinion and their input on those hard questions. And if you don't want to ask them, that's a red flag right there. And then the second thing is develop a practice of discernment. Earlier this fall, I interviewed Nancy Bieber, and I'll put the link to that podcast in the show notes. But she suggests in her book on discernment that there are three strands to discernment. There's willingness, which is being willing to open yourself to the spirit's light. It's a combination of help and yes. She says we need a guiding light to help us find the way that is right. And we release tight control to discover the best way forward. So this being willing to open yourself up, open your soul up to the spirit and however you want to define that spirit. That can be your own wisdom. It could be God. It can be whatever makes sense for you. But in discernment, you need to be willing to hold yourself open to the light and see what is showing up for you. The next thing she suggests is attentiveness. And that's pausing and considering carefully who we are and who we dream of being and the life situation in which we find ourselves. And I think this is a really key thing is not just about who you are now, but where do you want to be, and who do you want to be. Probably who do you want to be is more important than where do you want to be. What kind of a person do you want to be? The third thing is responding like it's a complex experiment. So even when you've been willing and attentive, and you've decided to respond in a situation, go into it knowing that you don't know how things are actually going to turn out. And maybe you need to wait a little bit longer or explore other paths that open up to you. But don't feel like when you go into a situation that you're now locked into it. So look at it like a bit of an experiment that you're just going to step into the water and see how this decision feels, see how your community feels about it, and not commit 100%, or at least not commit to the point where you feel like you can't get out of the situation. And this, again, is where you have time. If you're feeling pressured and you don't have time to use any tools of discernment or decision-making, just say no. Step back from the situation. I believe that another situation will arise for you. There's very few things that you have to decide in the moment without thinking or or being able to do any kind of reflection and deep thinking on the situation. A big part of living a soul-centered life is knowing what your heart wants. And your heart wants what it wants. But sometimes we mistake what it wants. Maybe what it wants is joy or peace or community or belonging or significance. All of us want those things. But if you find those things in temporal or superficial ways, or in unhealthy ways, you don't really give your heart what it wants and you end up circling back in another time, in another place, and learning the same things over and over again. So pay attention to what your heart wants. Don't rush into decisions and listen to the people who love you. They don't want to hurt you. They want the best for you. And if you're in the middle of a decision or a life change, feel free to reach out to me. I have a couple of spaces available for coaching and I would be happy to walk with you through the process of a decision that you're making or a threshold that you find yourself on or to help you discover what your heart wants. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this week's episode, do me a favor, leave me a comment or a rating on iTunes, share this episode on your social media feed, and follow me on Instagram at Sandy A. Reynolds. If you're interested in knowing more about my products and services, drop by my website sandyreynolds.com and get the latest on how you can live a soul-centered life.